peace of Christ be with you. Let's begin with three deep breaths. Not so much that we might invoke the Spirit, but that we might open ourselves to recognize that the Spirit is already here. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Good morning. Would you join me for our call to worship? Wind, spirit, breath of God, presence of the living Christ, mover, shaker, disruptor, presence of the living Christ, wisdom, way, knowing, presence of the living Christ. to our time of joys and concerns, I do encourage you to share your joys and concerns with one another. If you are watching on Facebook, type right into the comments section or be in touch with us in the office throughout the week so we can be in prayer together. One special joy today that I want to mention is that at our in-person service in the sanctuary, we will be welcoming eight new members to the Westminster congregation. Yes, even during this pandemic time when we have felt so scattered, so separated, the Spirit continues to bring us together, to draw us together, and in, the, in that spirit, we welcome eight new members to the Westminster Congregation today. What a joy. Will you pray with me? O oh God of creation, 
whose spirit stilled the water of chaos, whose breath filled all creatures with life, we praise you. O God of inspiration, whose spirit anointed kings and priests, whose power emboldened the prophets of old, we praise you. O God of Pentecost, whose spirit came to the faithful waiting at Jerusalem, whose gifts empowered the church for service and witness, we praise you. Spirit of God, blow into our lives. Move us to action, breaking down the walls that separate us. Where our language divides, offer us translation. Where our fear overcomes, fill us with the fire of courage. May we be filled today and always with the hope and the promise of Pentecost. And hear us now, O God, as in one spirit, we pray the prayer your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good. 
any of our younger worshipers to join me closer to the screen if you're worshiping with us on Facebook or YouTube. If you're worshiping with us on our podcast, put your ear as close to the speaker as you can because today is a special time of discovery. As you can see here, we have, I think, all the superheroes, pretend superheroes and pretend friends that have joined us over the past year. And the reason that they are here it's because our real superheroes and our real friends, all of you, couldn't be here until today. Today is the first day that you, our real superheroes and our real friends, will get to come down that aisle and sit right here for time of discovery during our worship service, just like the old time. Things are getting a little better day by day, aren't they? Now. I don't know if you've noticed this, but people like us, we aren't the same as these superheroes and these Barbies, are we? We're different. What are some ways that we're different, that you are different from them? Well, you are right that one way is that they're made of plastic and you're made of skin. Uh, another way is you actually talk and they don't. I have to make up words for them. They're pretend. You're real. Now, I wonder something else. Captain America, would you come here for a moment? Mm -hmm. And I have a question. I notice you look very handsome here in your star and stripes with your shield. Uh, do you have other clothes that are not stars and stripes? Oh, you do. You do. That's good. 
what other kinds of clothes do you wear? T-shirt, oh, t-shirt and jeans. Uh, Falcon, you're good friends with him, right? Does he always carry this shield around? Because I always see, he doesn't always carry his shield around. You don't carry your shield everywhere? Interesting. Okay, you can go ahead and have a seat. I tell you what, could we have one other volunteer for this? Yes, Spider-Man. Great, thank you. He's the leader. The leader of the Spider-Man. You know he's the leader of the Spider-Man because he has this belt and this bracelet. So, mm -hmm. Spider-Man, uh, you probably don't always wear this outfit, do you? No, you don't. Um, you don't. And what other kinds of things do you like to wear? You like to wear shorts and sandals? Oh, good. And hmm? you're not always jumping around on webs, although that looks like a lot of fun. Do you always do that? No. What are some other things that you like? Reading. Oh, reading. Does anyone ever like to read with Spider-Man? You do, Ant-Man? I bet that's fun to read with him. And what other kinds of... Do you like to go to school? Okay. Now, I'm curious if Spider-Man is at school wearing clothes that we don't see. Is he still Spider-Man if he's at school? He is still Spider-Man if he's at school. So, what's interesting to me is that these pretend superheroes and these pretend friends, they are superheroes no matter what they wear, no matter where they are or what they're doing. They're still superheroes. And these friends, they're still friends. Whether they're with us or with somebody else, they are still our friends. And that is why we have been saying over and over again that you are the real superheroes. Because we've been watching and we've seen how you play this past year during coronavirus. We see you running and keeping your mask on even when it's hot and uncomfortable. We see how many times you've washed your hands even you, when you got tired of it, you kept doing it. We've seen the way that you've taken care of your families, even though you didn't get to play with your friends. We've seen the way that you kept doing your schoolwork, even though you didn't get to see your teachers and get to do all the fun stuff at school. You have shown us that you're a real superhero, whether you're sitting here on this floor or whether you're sitting at home, whether you're sitting in the car listening to this or wherever you are, you have shown us that you are the real superheroes and the real heroes and the real friends of this church. And so we can't wait to welcome you back to this spot right here. And so we will say goodbye to all of you, fake, pretend, superheroes and friends. And we'll say hi to you uh, starting this Sunday. Oh, and you know what? I don't even know what our Sunday school lesson is about this Sunday. But I know that it's going to be wonderful, and we look forward to joining with you on that again, because we always have fun doing that, don't we? So join us on our church's Facebook or YouTube channel, uh, and, and uh, listen to it on our podcast, and you'll find it there. Bye. Our first scripture reading this morning is from John's Gospel. Listen to how the Spirit may be speaking to you through these words of Jesus. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. 
you also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. A reading from the book of Acts, the second chapter, the first 13 verses. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us today as we hear that story of what the Spirit had to say to them that day. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues of fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, ah, they're filled with new wine. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. 
Today is the final in our sermon series on what I've called so-called Christian values, in which we explore what we've been led to believe is central to the Christian faith. Today, the topic is knowing it all, having the answers, as I put it. Somewhere along the way, and I'm not sure how this happened, being Christian became associated, whether from the outside or more likely the inside, as having all the answers. And what's more, of having it all together. Is this so? Take knowing to start. I think many people who are drawn to a spiritual search, not the people who come just out of obligation, but, but really are on a spiritual path, Christian or otherwise, come actually because they have a set of questions or they've had an experience, they have an inkling or a sense, but they're looking for something that they don't have. A more complete sense of meaning or purpose or deeper reality behind all of it. And it's curious then how something that begins as a process of exploration becomes an establishment of certainty. I mean, I, there is certainly a, a place for communities to declare from time to time what they're about and what's central to them. And yet sometimes it becomes all static with nothing left to be dynamic and explored. I mean, the basic seminary degree, for goodness sake, is called a Master of Divinity. Could there be a worse name as we could actually master the divinity? Even the most convicted among us, I would say the deepest among us, recognize that all of our language about God is approximate. And so we should approach carefully which doesn't make our language any less powerful or meaningful, perhaps makes us even more reverent. In fact, it's the people who are too casual in the way they speak about God that make me the most nervous. There are some things that are just beyond us. Remember after Job, righteous Job, pushes and pushes on God for more, for, for more clarity, for, for answers, God finally says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Our foundational stories tell us that we won't know it all. We can't know or grasp it all. I don't think that's the point of this path, not to have it all or know it all or have it all together, but rather to have good questions and to seek good ways of being and being together. And similarly, Christians shouldn't regard themselves as perfect or even nearly finished products. We're growing, hopefully evolving, expanding. And yet, even as relaxed as this church blessedly is and comfortable we are with one another, I hope. I wonder how many people, 
if and when they show up, still feel as though they have to put on some sort of face. Certainly in our cultural surroundings, you have to show up a certain way. And what a shame that is. That's not what this journey is about. Jesus himself said, those who are not sick have no need of a physician. I didn't come to call the righteous, the perfect, the ones who have it together. I came to call the sinners, the ones who were living out brokenness in the world. So if you're someone who feels embedded and maybe even encapsulated by that brokenness, maybe even held captive by it, this place is for you. It's built for you. If you think you have it all together, then maybe you don't need it anymore. I've told before, I think, a story of someone who was really inclined to join a certain community. But in order to join that community, there were these very strict requirements. You had to give up this and this and that, and, and you had to take on this and that and so on. But the irony hit the person that if they had any challenge giving up those things or taking on these things, what they would need in order to do so was a spiritual community. But that was the very thing they were being denied until they had done those things. Another way of saying it was he realized that the spiritual community is not for people who got it all figured out. That's where you go to figure it out with one another, with others like you or unlike you, knowing that the end isn't finally solving it all, just growing, just growing, deepening, expanding. We seek and we strive. We don't know and have, and this is how it's always been, always. Uh, from the very beginning, I heard a marvelous uh, quote just in the past couple of weeks or, or read it. I, in fact, I'm a little embarrassed. I can't source it. I can't remember where I read it or heard it. But it was somebody commenting on the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. And they said, what makes it a remarkable document is it comes from a people who are telling their own story in a way that records their own failings. It's extraordinary to not only gloss over it or see their own history or myth history through rose-colored lenses, but rather to record where they fell short. To acknowledge when they didn't know or didn't do or certainly didn't have it all together. And what a remarkable witness to put at the center of your story that kind of self-reflection, that kind of vulnerability, acknowledging one's failings or shortcomings. What if we embrace that as well, rather than the stridency that we see at every turn from every group, it seems like. And the very birth of the church, which we celebrate this day at Pentecost, was born in a moment that so perfectly or imperfectly models what it looks like to be faithful in a time of deep unknowing. Remember what brought them together or what surrounded them as they were together in that room. Their Lord had been taken from them. Their Savior had come and had gone. Crucified, unimaginable to many, I'm sure. And then people began to experience him again 
after his death. And they're there gathered together, first clue. Gathered together in prayer, second clue. And there was a, a, a violent wind. The spirit appeared like the rush of a violent wind. Tongues of flame came down. People spoke in different languages and they were able to understand one another. That's a miraculous moment that they listened, that they heard in a foreign tongue, and then in the midst of all that was going on, they had the courage not to say something certain, but to ask, what does this mean? What does this mean? They asked. They asked that in prayer. How many times do we show up to any occasion, any gathering, any moment, not having spent time immersing ourselves in the Spirit, not inviting the Spirit in altogether, showing up even when we don't know, ready to say what we proclaim is so. Because we have to show up with a point, the point, the truth, and declare what it means, and defend it at all costs, even if we're not sure if we believe it ourselves. But you never give an inch. You argue your point. You don't open yourself to the possibility that maybe there's something you hadn't thought about or that you could change your mind because that's weakness. No, we come to say what it means, even if we have no earthly idea where they came and asked, what does it mean? They didn't have the answers. How could they have had the answers? But what they had was each other. And what they had was the Holy Spirit, and they chose both. They held a common question. They held it in faith together. They held it assuming that the other might also want the same thing at the end of the day. And they believed that they could figure it out together with God's help. In the face of a scary time, they chose each other. And in that sense, the Pentecost moment speaks to our moment so deeply. Think of our time. In all that is uncertain, in all that has been scary and unprecedented, unpredictable and certainly unchosen. And here we are. And I'm telling you, watch as we start to emerge from this pandemic, what's going to start to come out. It won't simply be release and freedom and celebration. All these things that have been pushed down and pushed to the side are going to start to come up. You heard it last week after I'd already drafted this sermon because I had a busy week coming, I knew it. One of the doctors in the congregation reported that that had been the most violent weekend in the emergency room in two years, and it was still Sunday morning. Another member said, as I shared what I was likely going to talk about, that there's in fact a term for this now called cave syndrome of what happens when you emerge from isolation. Look, all of us have held it together and have sacrificed, have have given up quite a bit. Yes, some more than others, for sure. 
but we've had a shared trauma. And we've all adapted significantly over this past well over a year now. And now as things start to ease, those things that got suppressed or pushed aside or stirred up that were held at bay are going to come up and come out. And the question is, what choices will we make as that happens? People have held it together to an extent, but now things will start to come apart. And the question is not how to suppress that, but how to hold one another in the midst of that. You see the angst and the rage even, the desire for blame and revenge. All of these feelings come from pain, come from grief, and everybody has reason to grieve something for this time. For some, it's as literal and obvious as a loved one who died from the pandemic. But for many, it's other gradations along the way, work lost, plans spoiled, relationships made brittle, things, experiences missed that can't be gotten back. And lest we end up inflicting the pain we've experienced on others because we won't deal with it, we have to choose each other. And we have to make the courageous choice to be vulnerable enough to ask what it means. We didn't want this, we didn't predict it, but we have it. And given that we've experienced it together, what does it look like to choose one another, trusting in the spirit to help us find a way to do so? Can we emerge from this with the curiosity and vulnerability and courage that our forebearers had when they asked that question so long ago. When they emerged and formed something new, like we will have to form many new things. They didn't start with a set of doctrines, though those came later and were important for what they were. And they didn't start with entry requirements, though those came later and had a place as well. They started simply with the choice to choose one another and to choose to be in the spirit together and to find a way together. Jesus said, as the story goes, that he had to go. He had to go to make room for the Holy Spirit, the one he called the advocate, a title we should remember from time to time. Someone who's on our side, not to push our side, but to lead us to God's. Now, this flies in the face of classical Trinitarian theology, where all three persons of the Trinity are always involved in the acts and presence of each. But you don't come here for classical Trinitarian theology. I think you come here for the experience of being in here when the windows are open, literally now, and the wind flows through an all-too-real reminder of the presence of the unpredictable Holy Spirit, to have that experience with kindred seekers and souls, to ask with them, okay, what does this mean for me? And how shall we be together? 
The great Henry Nouwen put it this way, without Pentecost, the Christ event, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus remains imprisoned in history as something to remember, to think about, to reflect on. In other words, it relegates it to an isolated event in history. But through Pentecost, the spirit of Jesus comes to dwell within us so that we can become living Christs here and now. This whole thing is not about revering Christ. It's about becoming living Christs here and now. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, let's find out. Amen. Hymn 292, As the Wind Song. As the wind song through the trees, as the stirring of the breeze, so it is with us. benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day 
and every day. Amen.